Welcome to the John Harrison Podcast. Do you realize that 70% of people are disengaged at work? I don't think it's an overstatement to call that a tragedy, actually, because it affects the bottom lines of organizations, certainly, but it has a negative impact on all the people that work there, and their families, and the community at large. Nobody's talking about this. Well, on this podcast, we are going to talk about it. So, welcome back to the John Harrison Podcast. I'm thrilled today because I've got a good friend of mine, Christy Loggins, joining us. I'm going to let her kind of tell you her story, and then I've just got a couple questions to, to get her started today because she's got a lot of experience and a lot of wisdom, and I just, I'm just thrilled to have you here. So, real quick, what's the Christy Loggins story? Well, first, thanks for the invite. I appreciate being a part of the podcast. Um, so, Christy Loggins, in a nutshell... Baby of three, grew up in a small town, Camden, Arkansas. Once I graduated from college, I actually started working it with the, the Children and Family Services. Um, and I was actually that person that knocked on doors and was investigating child abuse and neglect. I loved it, though. My parents were afraid. Um, fresh out of college, 22 years old but I had a passion for it. What I didn't like was the way some of the parents were treated, um, kids, but I realized that a lot of that dealt with the laws and the policies. So I left the field work, started working at Mid-South so that I could train and advocate. And I've been training now for almost 20 years. So let's, maybe we'll start there. So you've been training people in different industries uh, for 20 years. Correct. So there's a lot of clients we work with that are doing either no training mm -hmm. or their training or slash new hire orientation might look the same as it did in 1975. So as it, in those 20 years, two decades, what have you seen change with new, even new hires coming in? What, what would be your advice to companies? What should we be training people on nowadays? Well, the first thing is just being honest with people on the front end. One of the biggest problems is not just training, it's the fact that we choose the wrong candidate because we don't tell them all the expectations on the front end. So once you give me the expectations, I know what I'm walking into, then I can create a training plan for you. We have this idea of what the perfect candidate should look like and they should have our exact morals and values and beliefs and they should know how to do all the things but we don't tell them what all the things are and then we get frustrated when they don't understand. So um, developing a clear cut training plan with objectives and benchmarks. So then we can sit down, I know what the outcome should look like, I know when I'm hitting it and when I'm not, we can go back and put a plan in place to correct. A lot of times we end up frustrated because there's no clear direction on the front end. And we assume that everybody learned the same things in high school or the same work ethic because they all, this family should do this or do that. And that's just not the case anymore, especially in this generation where everything is instant from the microwave to TikTok. People don't even watch movies because they're too long. So no one's gonna sit in an eight hour training class and get the information you, that they did 20 years ago. So we have to be number one, proactive in saying exactly what it is I expect from you. How do I know when I achieve it? And then give them real life training scenarios. We do lecture, we move around, we go outside, we have examples, and I know exactly what the expectation is. Then you give me an assessment and you see whether or not I'm hitting the mark. The other thing, as a trainer, I'll speak to this because sometimes we have a habit of developing our own training style 
which works well, but it may not work for every trainee. So as a trainer, you have to be versatile in what you bring to the table and the different training techniques that you use so that you're hitting everybody across the board. Because if I give an assessment and 90% of my people fall below 80%, some of that's on me. So I have to take responsibility and refocus and make sure that I'm teaching it in a way that they can understand and comprehend. Yeah, I love that. I think one thing I talk about in our sessions, people that have family members in the military know what this is all about. You don't sign up for the military and then a week later you're sent off to the Middle East to you know be in the front lines. We, we understand that model that <clears throat> excuse me, basic training could be eight weeks or 10 weeks or sometimes 14 weeks. So it's not about how many weeks it is. It's what do we want people to learn before they're in combat, so to speak. And so at a company, that might be five days. It might be five hours. It might be five months. But I think a lot of times companies go out at the wrong direction and they just say, well, what can we cram into two days? Right. And like you said, it may be we may do this over a year. But it, there's different pieces of it along the way and having an end game mm -hmm. in, in at the end of it. I think you, I love what you said. It really comes down to expectations and hiring because th this is another thing I've seen companies say. I'm interviewing and I say, now, do I, well, I have to work Saturdays. Mm -hmm. And the person might say, well, occasionally. And so I go home and whoever I go home to says, now, do you ever have to work Saturdays? I go, well, they said occasionally. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking right. three times a year. Their occasionally was twice a month. Mm -hmm. And I think now you instantly have frustration even before you get to any kind of a training because that wasn't clear. So I love that you said, let's just up front, let's make mm -hmm. sure people know exactly what's expected, what technical skills are expected, what behavioral skills are expected. And the last thing I'll say with that is, you know, Christy, some companies are like, we just need warm bodies. Mm -hmm. Well, I've been using this example lately, but if your parents, grandparents needed to be in a nursing home, and you went to go visit nursing homes to see which one's right for your aging parent or grandparent. And you asked the person at the nursing home, what's your hiring philosophy here? And they went, well, just kind of warm bodies. That's kind of what we like to do. <laughs> just get somebody, you'd, you'd go, grandma, back in the car. We're not staying here. And I think this training thing, if we think about what would we want our kids to learn, what type of experience would we want for our lo any loved one, parents, grandparents, whatever, if you start from there and get... A, out of the tactical pieces at first, what experience do we want for people joining our company? And we want it to be special. I always say tell people's first day, week, or month should be special. Because if they start at your organization or any organization, they're going to go home to somebody. And they go, hey, how was your first day, first week? And if people go, hmm, it was all right. Right. Wrong answer. You want them to go, no, they're investing in us. It was Not only was it a friendly place, but man, they're teaching us things, technical things, behavioral skills. So I think sometimes you just have to step back and look at this overall picture instead of just it's a two-day training program and what right. what do we get done? Well, and, and that's a clear point, looking back and actually assessing. Because sometimes it's, again, we didn't give a clear explanation. So if I'm looking at my training plan and I'm looking at my new hire orientation and I've got a revolving door it's not always the wrong candidates. As a company, how are we getting it wrong? What do we need to do? Um, 
just two weeks ago, we had 12 new hires come in at my job. And for the first time, there were balloons. There was a welcome sign with their name on it. And they walked in and they were like, oh, wow, we've never had this. Now that's twofold. For the people coming in, it was a wonderful experience. For the people that started two months ago, it was, well, why didn't I get that? I didn't get balloons. Right? <laughs> so I think when we are revamping, there has to be a message that goes out. We've heard you. We know that maybe we missed the mark on making you feel like part of the team. So here's what we're doing on the front end. That way you're in front of the message and you're not being reactive, you're proactive. So then when the new hire that started six weeks ago sees this, it's more of a, oh, they listened to me and now they're doing better instead of, well, I didn't get that when I was here. So then we already breathe this sense of us and them all because we didn't have open communication on the front end. And to say, we know we dropped the ball. These are some of the things we want to do to make it better. Oh, I love that. What about, we have obviously talked about new hire orientation. Our listeners may be thinking, well, these are the 20-somethings coming into work. What about the 40, 50, and 60-year-olds as far as just regular refresher training? What's your thoughts on that? Absolutely. There has to be professional development. Um if you're 60 or 50 coming back into the workforce, computers, Excel, we have this expectation of what they should know. And a lot of the times they, they just don't have those skills. So are we already thinking about, I've hired this person in, here's what they need to have. So we've talked about on day one, developing that plan for the next six months. So here are the things we want you to have and making sure people understand we're getting ready to have openings. So if you're here and this is, you know this is not where you want to be, let's do some job shadowing. Let's make sure you have the skills that you need. Let's have those weekly meetings on the front end to see on Friday, Friday check-ins or Monday morning check-ins so that we know what the expectations are. And we can also catch things early before they blow up and we both end up frustrated because I hired somebody and I made an assumption of what their skill set was instead of having the opportunity to evaluate. Because it's like you said with the guy working some Saturdays, nobody's going to sit down and say, oh, I have no idea how to do an Excel spreadsheet. You know what they're going to say? Well, I've done it a little bit. I have some knowledge. Nobody's going to say, I don't have a clue because they're thinking I'll learn it on the back. That's the end. wrong answer. Yeah. That's the wrong answer. I'm trying to get a job. So if we already know this, why don't we have professional development in place? that says every Thursday of the month we have this class that you can you can sign up for. Now, because we're going to pay for the class, you may have to come in before your shift or after your shift so that doesn't impede working hours, but have that incentive there. Then if they don't take you up on it, then we can talk about it later, but we want to make sure we're at least equipping them on the front end and making sure they can be successful. That's good. I think another thing that's hard is... Everyone knows down deep that cross-training is a, is a good practice. It's great for the customer because now you're not held hostage by somebody being out. You don't have to call a customer and say, we can't get that done for you today because Mary's sick or Joe's sick, whatever. But you and I both know there are people that don't want to be cross-trained. And there's usually a couple of reasons for that. They might say, well, if, if I learn more stuff, they're going to expect more out of me. And so they're re resistant to that way. They might say, I've, people at Caterpillar used to say, well, if I cross-turn, you're going to pay me more right mm -hmm. now? Mm -hmm. And I'd say, not immediately, because this is a 
level, it's kind of the lateral type of, you know, job. But the more you learn, of course, you have an opportunity to make some more money. And then there are people that are just afraid because they're good at what they do. And so that 40, 56 year old is resistant to go look silly by learning a new area. So another thing back to early expectations, I would tell people nowadays, there is a 100% chance that you will be cross-trained if you come to work in our organization. Now, it may not turn out that way, but what will they say in the interview if you tell them that? They'll go, wow. I would love that. I love love the opportunity to grow and to move around. And I have so much to offer. Yes. And so I I would tell them right there. And then now they can't come back a month later, six months later, five years later, when I say, hey, Christy, would you and Madeline just trade places for this week? And you go, hey, I'm not doing that. No, we told you that. And it's part of our core values, maybe, of embracing change, whatever. And the last thing I'll say to that, I was probably the most mild-mannered plant manager at Caterpillar. But if I ever knew that someone was purposely withholding information from another employee, mm-hmm. I've got this skill, but I don't want to share it with Christy because that's job security for me. I, that I really wanted to terminate those people immediately. Mm-hmm. And if not, we had an incredibly serious conversation. Because again, I, I used to teach our folks, pretend there's a customer on your belt. And a customer would say, what did you just say, John? You, mm-hmm. You've got some information and you're not going to share that with Christy right. so she can be better? So just for any of any employees that are listening to this thing, it, don't be that employee. If you have a, a knack for something, a skill, go help other people be successful. And by the way, if you're that type of employee, you won't ever have to worry about finding a job. Right. And I think, too, management. Because if I'm a supervisor and I know that I have a skill set that John is the only person that knows, it's my job to make sure Madeline learns that as well. So it goes back to consistency and accountability so that the team can function. Yes, exactly. So, So obviously, we've talked about new hire orientation, you know, existing employees getting refreshed. But I think just maybe to wrap this part of this podcast up, you really have to step back and look at what what would help people be successful, behavioral or tactical. And again, we you can't have a bunch of 15, 6-year-olds around the room going, well, I, I knew that. I, I learned that when I was 12. Well, maybe you did, but maybe not all 50-year-olds also were the same as you. And Let's stop complaining about young people and let's go, then let's equip them. Let's equip them. Like even at at Caterpillar, I would explain why they had to clock in on time. And again, you might get some people go, why do we have to, Mm -hmm. either be here or or you're fired. Well, I think it's good to say, here's why. These aren't arbitrary rules. Mm -hmm. So in our world, we'd say, if you are even two minutes late, we have an assembly line and now you're late for two minutes Somebody is covering your job for two minutes. Just two minutes. They go, what's the problem? Well, you might have a safety issue. You might make a quality error. So I, I'm just throwing this out here. Sometimes older people go, well, we didn't ask why. When we were young, we just, because, my parents or grandparents said, because I said so. That answer is fine sometimes. But someone asking why we have a policy or why do I have to do this this way is not in itself disrespectful Mm -hmm. if they ask in a respectful way. If they say, why the blankety-blank do we have to do this stupid blankety-blank process, disrespectful. But don't, to me, young people have been more trained up in their life to ask why. Mm -hmm. So that is part of developing people. 
Here's why. Here's why we have to do step one, two, and three, and not two, three, one. So I think these are the things when there's people, again, most companies aren't doing any training or they're thinking just pure tactical skills, how to run a piece of equipment. But let's talk behavioral stuff. What what frustrates you about people today? What is great about people? And let's try to do something about that. So when you said what frustrates you, I was like, ooh. Um, I think a, you, you're absolutely right. People didn't ask why because they knew they couldn't. So with this generation, we have empowered them to ask questions, to get as much information as possible. They literally have a computer in their hand at all times. So the why, whether they're asking Siri or they're asking somebody in another state, they're constantly asking the why. So for us to feel that that's disrespectful creates this gap that doesn't have to be there because all they want to know is, I've had this information right here all my life. Why can't you tell me? Um, and we see it as, well, I'm here, I'm senior, so you should just do what I say because that was their generation. But it didn't really work because then you end up doing things out of routine that you don't even have to do anywhere. There's, I remember watching a, a comedy show and they were fixing this pot roast, right? And they were cutting the end off the pot roast and every generation was doing this until one little girl said, well, mom, why did we do that? And she goes, well, ask your grandmother. And the grandmother goes, well, because my mom did it. Well, great grandmother happened to be there. Why do we do this? And she was like, oh, my pot wasn't big enough. So all this time they had been throwing away good meat just because all those years ago, they didn't have the right resource to cook everything that they have. Now that we have all these resources, there may truly be a better way. So we have to understand and not, I say, get in our feelings when somebody asks why, because the question is, why didn't you tell them on the front end? Because if I have a why and I understand the process, I'm more likely to actually do it. So that's that's the older generation. Now the younger generation, because we've given that them that computer since they were two, because we want them to be quiet and watch a movie and do this or do that, and they can work the app and the TV better than we can, they have a hard time focusing. And when it's time to work, one of my biggest issues when I'm training, because um, I do a lot of our customer service training, and one of the rules is you can't have your cell phone on the floor. And you can see the fear in their face, like, well, what am I gonna do? Six hours and no phone, what's gonna happen to me? Because it's foreign. So explaining why you can't have the phone, what could happen if it's ringing, if you're, you know, you're distracted, all the calls are coming in. But those are some of the things that we really have to be honest and say, a lot of this is just a generational. I didn't have it and I was okay. But that's because you couldn't. At two, there wasn't a computer you could walk around with in your sure. hand. And if you had had the opportunity, you absolutely would be doing the same thing. So I think we forget at 45, at 50, what it was like to be 19, 21, 22 in the workforce. They have all of this knowledge, but they don't have the wisdom that we used to have. So kind of being patient and say, okay, let's teach wisdom. Let's talk about the importance of being on time. Let's talk about the importance of hitting deadlines and how the domino effect impacts everybody. And here's the thing, I always talk bottom line. Because if we don't do X, Y, Z and revenue doesn't come in, you don't get paid. So once you understand the what's in it for me, 
you're more likely to kind of get on the program and have a team effort and attitude to get it done. We see disrespect in so many ways. It reminds me of the verse that says, offense is a choice. And sometimes you have to just tell yourself, I choose not to be offended. You know, I would rather just sit down and have the conversation than to allow offense to come in. Yeah, I love that. And I think this is, in effect, what you're saying is let, let's get these generations together as part of training. Because the, the downside of having Google at your fingertips is to not think and reason sometimes. Mm -hmm. They can say, well, who, you know, who was the 12th president of the United States? But what was the reason for World War II to start? And they read a you know, three-paragraph thing in Google and think they have it figured out. We need to be training people so they can reason and come up with their own critical thinking. Critical thinking and, and why might the company have this policy? If somebody says, well, this policy is stupid that we have to park over there, and somebody, but say, well, why do you think the company maybe has us park on that mm -hmm. side of the building? Well, I guess because maybe customers come, and, and we should really make sure customers have access. Little things like that so that it's balancing that. Mm -hmm. Yes, I think if, if you and I were 12 years old today, we'd be wanting to be on phones. Absolutely. We can't say we wouldn't. But I think there is some timeless wisdom that goes back to our great-great-grandparents that we should be sharing with young people, too. So I think just to wrap it up, I, those companies out there that are doing training, new hire orientation, whatever, just take a fresh look at it. Maybe get a group of employees together, both those that have hired in the last year and maybe people that have been there for 10 or 20 years, and just say, what, what could we be doing better in this regard? Um, if you're, it, who, who's doing the training? I know Christy, Christy's great in front of the room. There's companies that have people in front of the room that probably shouldn't be in front of the room. They're doing it just because they're the subject matter expertise. But let's think about what we're sharing with people, who's sharing it, when are we sharing it. And I think really nowadays, when you're looking for great people, stars in our vernacular, stars are going to go, is this company going to invest in me? And it doesn't have to be over the top. Like you said, it doesn't have to be a five-year training program. But employees, prospective employees are thinking, is this the type of place that's going to spend some time and effort to make me not only feel comfortable in my first week or month, but are they going to equip me? And I think if you're just waiting for someone else to fix that for you, you're going to wait a long time. So um, thanks for your perspectives on training. Now, I want to shift gears on just another subject. So... Most of my career at Caterpillar, I was not an executive. Mm -hmm. Even when I was an executive, I still had a boss. And so most of us go through our entire work time, uh, our careers, not being the ultimate decision maker. So obviously that's your case in every place that you've worked. So what would be your advice in that situation? If somebody's in that maybe middle management level, they want to do the right thing, they have ideas, they want to make changes, but they're either feeling like, they don't have any control or they run into roadblocks. What's your advice for somebody in that situation? Well, the first one is patience um, because it's easy to get frustrated when you feel you know a better way and nobody's listening to you. Uh, so kind of be patient. Make sure you are articulating your why. Why would this be better opposed to what you're doing now? What's the cost analysis for doing it this way? 
And then even if you get shut down once or twice, don't be afraid to keep coming back with new ideas. Because I think sometimes, well, this was a great idea and they didn't take it. Well, I had a second one and nobody took it. So then we shut down, we get frustrated. And instead of talking to management, we developed this water cooler talk. And then we became the become the complainer, right? Instead of putting a plan in place, presenting it and understanding that even if they don't see the value in it, does not mean it didn't have value. So as long as you can kind of keep that in the back of your head to know, just because John didn't see it, I still have value. I still have a voice and I'm still going to continue to give my opinion on how things should be done or better ways to, to do it. Yeah, and I think anticipate, anticipating leaders' questions is good. So if I present this to my boss or my boss's boss, what is what is he or she likely going to ask? And you mentioned some of them. They're going to ask, well, we could do that, but how much is that going to cost? Or how much time will that take? Or or won't, won't this possibly go wrong? And I think to not be offended by those questions, because, again, we could think, they're just poking holes in my idea. No, if you owned your own business... Right. And somebody said, hey, we want to try this instead of that, or why don't we buy this software, or why don't we buy another truck? The owner's going to go, hang on, hang on, what? we've got a tight budget here. Why, why would we spend money on that? So anticipating those questions, like you said, not being offended if you get those questions or if your idea gets ultimately not approved. Now, at some point, I would tell people if every day of your life you try to offer up an idea and you're constantly shut down, they won't ever listen to you, okay, then maybe maybe you might want to find a new place to work. But usually that's not the case. Right. And I think it's important, like you said, to not spiral and say, well, they don't, they don't care about me. And I think that's what we see happening. I may give out one idea and then I'm done. But I don't leave. It's the whole new quiet quitting, yes. right? Everybody's talking about quiet quitting. Oh, I just kind of... I pull back just a little bit. I'm going to do just enough. I'm going to fly under the radar, but the passion is gone. I'm not passionate about what I'm doing anymore. Um, so we've got to be mindful of that. Self-checks. I'm always, I'm always, I've even called John. I was like, hey, help me with a self-check. Um, just what are my motives? Because sometimes it's pride. I'm, I'm prideful. How dare you not take my idea? So what are my motives? Was my feelings hurt or were there really clear indicators that I didn't think out this plan as well as I thought once I started considering budget, time restraints, training new people on this process? Um, and we really can take a step back and kind of look at it. So then with my next idea, I'm more prepared to present it. Yeah, that's great. And for supervisors and managers out there, be careful because a lot of companies will talk about innovation. We want innovation. They put that sign up on the wall. It's, we have one. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of companies say we want ideas from people. Well, realize if somebody comes into your office and says, hey, I've got this idea, and you're like, won't work. We tried that. Are you crazy? We don't have the budget for that. As right. soon as you throw water on people like that, then yes, I'm not saying it's the right reaction as Christy mentioned, but at some point you go, I'm, I'm done mm -hmm. because they won't even listen. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a big thing for supervisors, managers to not instantly tear down an idea. Even let's say it's not a good time. You could go, you know what? I'd love to hear more about this idea, but I am slammed. Could we do this tomorrow morning at nine o'clock? I would rather you do that 
than just go, no, that probably won't work. Or, it, you know, that's maybe in your the industry you came from that worked, doesn't work in our industry. As soon as you throw things out like that, it is very dismissive. A lot of times we don't even know we're doing that. And people are excited if they have an idea. To me, that says they're passionate, mm -hmm. they're engaged, their heart's in the business a little bit. So let's make sure we foster that. That doesn't mean every idea gets implemented, but the last thing you want to do is just right. douse it. Yeah, I totally agree. And even when you have to say no after the presentation and the PowerPoint and they've got their little clicker and they spent all this time with the pointer, there's still a way to do it. You know, there's still a way to be respectful and polite and to thank them for all their hard work. But at this time, due to budget or time management or whatever, we're not. But thank you. And then encourage them to come back. But, you know, I love your passion. I love your ideas. This is why we have you on the team. We always want to hear different people's perspective and get their buy-in. So please, you know, my door is open to schedule time if you want to talk about something else. But even in the know, we've got to make sure we're setting it up correctly. Yeah, and I think there are companies, Christy, that I've seen this where they give prizes out mm -hmm. for great ideas. Okay, this idea saved us $50,000, so here's a prize. I'm generally not a fan of that. I'm generally a fan of let's give rewards or recognition to the process, people that are coming up with ideas. Right. We, we gave, I gave one of our biggest awards at a Caterpillar plant for a project that never came to fruition. But what I loved about it <clears throat> was there were people from the shop floor and middle management that broke down barriers and got together and came up with a, you know, a very cool project. It didn't work for a number of reasons. But I thought, well, I still want to recognize that because that was breakthrough thinking. Mm -hmm. People that don't normally work together getting together. And I did it in front of a bunch of people. And I gave an award just as if they had saved us a million dollars. Because what was I trying to foster was that that kind of behavior. But if so, but sometimes if it's like, well, we don't give out awards unless it's a $50,000 cost savings, mm -hmm. your your receptionist might have an awesome idea. It's never going to amount to $50,000. So he or she might be like, no, I'm not going to turn it in. I was just always trying to get that behavior going. So I think this is a two-way street. Like you said, don't get your feelings hurt. If one of your ideas doesn't get implemented or your, your boss puts a roadblock up, don't pout. Uh, just keep trying. Just and and but but that boss, if you do have to say we can't do that for whatever reason, please realize what that means to the person when you say no. All right. Well, I just wanted to hit that briefly because I think it's a it's a critical piece. Most of us are in this position of not being the ultimate decision maker, and that can go south pretty fast depending on what the environment is at work. And I know you've been through your whole career. You've had multiple yeah. bosses. Uh I've never been the person signing the check or having the final say. So always been in, in middle management. And I know it's probably hard to believe, but I've never been afraid to speak up. I know you, you find that. I do find that <laughs> very hard to believe. No, but I think one thing I love about Christy is that she, you're always professional and how you, you've, you've disagreed with things, even that, that we've done for your company or I've done. We, but we can talk about it, and we're always kind of better on the other end of that. And I think that's just a quality we all can aspire to, that we can disagree. We can, like you said, work. I, I love the quote of, let's try really hard not to offend people, mm -hmm. but let's try really hard not to be offended. Absolutely. And if we could do, do a little more of that in our society, let alone the workplace, I think we'd be in a much better place. So 
Thanks for sharing your wisdom with us. Um, I know if we just let this go, we could do this for about 10 hours, but our listeners would be bored. So uh, thanks for being here and uh, look forward to what is in store for you for your future. Thanks again for the invite. Thanks. Thanks for listening today. If you have any questions or thoughts about today's episode or even ideas for your future episode, you can contact us through our website at johnharrisonvip.com or follow us on any of our social media platforms.